Good morning. Ooh, that's hot. Scott, turn me down, buddy. <laughs> well, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Joe Hibbard, and I used to be on staff here. Oh, I left about five and a half years ago, I guess. And my daughter grew up in this church. I left and went to a nonprofit organization, uh, Tacoma Pierce County Chaplaincy. And um, Art Spar, who's one of the chaplains, used to be a chaplain. Willie Casey's one of the cha- uh, chaplains that used to be there. And so one of the other things that I got to do after I left here, I became part of, uh, not an organization, but I got to do preaching in other churches, which was great. I love giving God's word. And I've done it in... Presbyterian churches. I've done it in uh, churches, uh, let's see, Presbyterian, Methodist, uh, Church of the Brethren, which is um, a, a neat church up in Northeast Tacoma, uh, Methodist. So I got to do that and keep my preaching skills kind of honed. Um, not as much as I wish I could, but, um, you know, for the last month and a half, almost two months now, we've been, uh, as Pastor Kurt's been gone, we've been following this staying in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. And so that's what I want to talk to you today about, is how do we keep in step with the Spirit? What does that look like in our lives? How are we going to do that? So, you know, first off, I got to admit, in the time that I was gone, this church has grown. You know, some people we've lost, some people we've gained. But I see the fruits of the Spirit being used in this church in a mighty way. We're inviting people, we're growing, and the fruits are blossoming and being used within this church and within our community. So this morning, I want to take a look at these fruits, those character traits in our lives that are given in Galatians 20, in Galatians 5. Uh, let's see, 22 and 23. I want to look a bit more closely at those and see how we can have those or if we have those in our lives. And if not, how do we cultivate those fruits so that they'll be evident in our lives? So we're going to go a little bit further back this morning. And I want to take a look at how Paul get the context of what he was talking about when he was talking about walking with the Spirit. So we're going to go back uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can open them up to uh, Galatians or Galatians 5, 16 through 25. Hear God's word. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not be gratified by the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what it can, is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. 
And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these, there is no law. So those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the sinful nature, which is its passions and desires. And here we go for this verse. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So, what I want to do is I want to get in and take a look first at this difference between sinful nature and spiritual nature. What Paul's saying here is that we have these two different kinds of nature, and they can't, they're always in conflict. We can't live in both. It's one or the other. Okay? It's the nature that we live by. The nature that is uh, sinful gives that whole list of things that you don't want to do. They might sound like fun being in the world, but you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God if you're living in that sinful nature. Living according to the Spirit will bear the fruits, those fruits of love, joy, and uh, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This morning I want to examine these fruits so we can see that if they are being produced in our lives, and if they are, how they look. If they're not, what can we do to get those fruits in our lives, to live so that we can walk with the Spirit? It's important to realize that these are fruits of the Spirit. And when I say that, I mean that we can't have these fruits if we don't have the Spirit of God in our lives. If we're not walking with the Spirit, there's no way we're going to be able to bear these fruits. What I want to do is, it's kind of like uh, Luke. Luke 13, 8. And this parable is of um, when the, the figs weren't growing on the trees. And it says, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. It's the same thing that Paul is saying when he talks in Galatians 5.25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's by the power of the Spirit that we have the ability to keep in step with the Spirit. And that means we have to cultivate our lives and cultivate ourselves to be a place where those fruits can grow. We have to prepare our lives. It's, so it would be like the, the farmer. Now, you know, we've, we've got a farmer back here that raised daffodil bulbs forever and ever. And it doesn't do any good to put those bulbs in the ground if we don't cultivate the soil first, if we don't keep them watered, if we don't take the weeds out. That stuff will never grow. And it's the same with those fruits of the Spirit in our own lives. If we don't have a heart that is open to having those spiritual gifts in our lives, 
those things are not going to grow. They're not going to be evident. People will not see them in our lives and in our walks with Christ. So let's take a look at these fruits. The first fruit that Paul lists is the fruit of love. Now, I don't think that it's by chance that he used love as the very first fruit. And the reason I say that is because if we don't have love in our lives and we're showing love, there's no way we can have any of the other fruits that are listed. If you don't have love, it's evident you don't have Christ. John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So this fruit is primary. You have to have it. It should be one of the most evident things in every Christian's life. But what does that love look like? What does love look like? Is it loving our kids, loving our spouses, loving our boyfriends, girlfriends, our neighbors, those sitting next to us? What? What does that love actually look like? Well, here, Paul is talking about the agape type of love, the selfless type of love that Christ had for each of us. Selfless, sacrificial. 1 John 4, chapter 4, verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved, not that we loved God, but that he loves us, and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. Same thing in Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That is the sacrificial type of love that we're talking about and that Paul's talking about. The fruit of love will be sacrificial and selfless, just like Christ was. As we look in our own lives, would selfishness or selflessness be what people see around us? The fruit of love is evident in your life, is it? Keep thinking about that as we go on. The second fruit, the fruit of joy. Now, joy is different from happiness, And we've got to realize that. Joy is not the same thing as happiness. Happiness depends on our external circumstances. What's going on around us? What does that look like? Joy is internal. I would say that it's a choice. A choice that those who are in a relationship with Christ can make in any circumstance. Because it doesn't depend on our lives. It depends on who we are, what we believe. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. Joy comes from understanding that we, what we've been given, and despite any difficult circumstances, recognizing that we are still blessed. And as I was writing this the other day, I kept thinking about Pastor Steve and being blessed. How does your song go, Steve? (laughs) Yes, I'm blessed. And if we have that kind of 
spirit in our hearts and that we realize that we are being blessed daily, God is going to continue to use us and be blessed. Paul's a great example of the fruit of joy. He was in prison and his future was uncertain, but he still says that the peace of God... Well, skip the page. Sorry. He still says in Philippians 1, 18 through 20, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now and always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether in life or in death. You see, Paul didn't know what was going to happen, but he still had the fruit of joy because he didn't depend on what was going to happen with his eternal body and with his eternal soul. He knew what was going to happen. Whatever happens to your daily body, things like that, I'm old, fat, and bald. So I I can still take joy in the fact that I know where my eternal body and my eternal soul is going to go. I have that inner joy. Do you have the internal joy? Are you happy? That joy is what makes you happy. The third fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of peace. Jesus said in 1 John, or John 14, 27, Peace I leave you with. My peace I give you. I do not give it as the world gives. The peace of God is more than a lack of turmoil. It's a state of being. I'm going to say that again. Peace of God is more than just a lack of turmoil. It's a state of being. Being at ease and at rest, knowing that you don't have to worry or have anxieties. And I know that's not hard. That's, sometimes that's hard to do. Listen to what Paul writes in Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the good part here is in verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, if we have that inner joy, God is going to watch over us. The Spirit of the Lord is going to be with us. The peace of God is a peace that transcends all understanding. And it can be experienced when the world says, you shouldn't be at peace. When your circumstances are hard, when your situation is uncertain, you can still have that inner peace. The thing about being a follower of Christ is we can face uncertainty during our earthly life, and we can have peace because in that uncertainty because we know what our eternal life is going to look like. Sitting at the foot of Jesus and God and praising them. 
having that kind of peace will allow us to keep in step with the Spirit. The fourth fruit is the fruit of patience. And you're probably sitting there going, oh, God, really hurry up. <laughs> patience. Patience, people. My mom, I'm going to give you a momism. My mom used to have the saying, patience is a virtue, possess it if you can. Seldom seen in woman, never seen in man. Okay? I'm not going to go into that. That's a whole other sermon series. But if you keep in step and want to keep in step with the Spirit, you'll have opportunities to grow in patience. From our earthly perspective, we don't always view it as an opportunity. A lot of times when we're in the heat of the situation, we don't consider that. Patience. Patience is a virtue. Right? You see, these types of opportunities to be patient, we learn to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit if we are truly walking in step with him. We need his encouragement and God's word to get us through the struggles that we're in and that we're having. Psalms 130, verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. I patiently wait. You see, it's in the waiting that God does his most powerful works in our lives. Remember, being patient isn't just waiting on the Lord. Sometimes we need to be patient with people and trust in the Lord. Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, verse 2, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another, and then the last two, last two words up there, we need to do it in love. It goes right back to that very first fruit again, in love. It's our love for the Lord and for the people that will help us wait on him. That's how we wait. If we're patiently waiting on God, he is glorified and working in us and transforming us, which keeps us in step with the Spirit. The next fruit is the fruit of kindness. Lots of times we see that kindness in the Bible is the opposite of quarreling. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24 says, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone. Most times when people quarrel, they kind of become a little defensive, you think? But if we try, and I use the word try, if we try to be kind instead of quarreling, sometimes it might soften the situation so that the other person may see that Maybe they're wrong, or you're wrong, or at least they played a part in the situation that you're in. That's what God's kindness leads us to. Paul wrote to the Romans and says in Romans 2, verse 4, Do not show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. 
leading you towards repentance. When we bear the fruit of kindness, it will lead us as well as other people to Christ and our love towards them. The English adjective kind and the adverb kindly are related to the root word that also produced the noun kin. Kin. Like family. When we talk with other people, we need to realize that they are kin. When we're dealing with Christians, they're our brothers and our sisters. They are kin. They're related to us. Bearing the fruit of kindness would mean treating people like kin, like a member maybe of our own family. We need to be kind and give grace to people just like they were a part of our family. It's just another way to keep in step with the Spirit. The next fruit is the fruit of goodness. Now Jesus says in Mark 10, verse 18, that no one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. So you're going to say, okay, well then how can I be good if only God can be good? It's through our works. It's through the works that we do. The work of God in our lives. It's through our moral character that we're able to reflect God's goodness. It's by that that we can do his good work with his power and his strength. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared it for us, even laid it out so that we can do what is good. God saved us to reflect his glory and do his work through his power. So let me ask, is your lifestyle what those around you would say is good? What are you projecting when you're not sitting in church on on Sunday? What does Monday through Saturday look like? Do you have the good works that God is talking about? Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And in Colossians 1, verse 10, Paul wrote, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit of good works. We need to do good works through the power of the Holy Spirit as he leads us and directs us. By doing that, we can walk and step with the Spirit. Next one is faith. Sometimes people will say, I wish I had more faith. I wish I could get more faith. And I argue that faith, that we don't need more faith. We need to be able to use the faith correctly that we already have. Think about that. To use the faith that we already have. When we use that faith, that's how it will grow. It's kind of like muscles. 
when you have muscles and you exercise them, what do they do? They grow. They get bigger, right? It's the same thing with our faith. When we use our faith, God sees that and entrusts us with more to be faithful with. Therefore, we grow in our faith. That's how we grow. The parable of the talents, I think, was a good example of of how men can grow in faith. Remember the, the story? Master gives the three men the coins and sends them out and brings them back, and they're faithful, and they see how it, their money has grown, and they see what has happened. They're faithful, and things grow. They used what they'd been given, and they gained more. Exercising faith means acting on what you already know, right? Acting on what you already know. We're not dumb, but guess what? God will use what we do have in a mighty way if we trust and be faithful in him. Use what we've been given to gain more. Exercising faith means acting on what you know about God and his promises even when you aren't sure of how things will work out. So Hebrews 11, verse 1, says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I love that. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and for what we do not see. That is being faithful. We bear the fruit of faithfulness when we serve and we don't see the results of our service for some time, maybe. We bear fruit of faithfulness when we tithe, when we give our money to Christ, and maybe not knowing how we're going to make it. That's being faithful. It means using all of our resources for God's glory, trusting in his provisions. We exercise faith when we have the Lord with us and growing in us, and that gives us more faith. By being faithful, we can keep in step with the Spirit. The fruit of gentleness. Gentleness. Gentleness comes across in a way that we act. The way that we act. But it's our inner qualities. What does that look like? That's why Peter points out in 1 Peter 3, 4, that it's not our external appearance that we need to focus on, but your inner self, the unfading beauty of gentleness and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. You know, we grow in our relationship with Christ when we talk and we look and we project his character. Christ tells us in Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will rest, or you will find rest for your soul. Being gentle shouldn't be confused with weakness. We don't think that weakness is part of being gentle. Gentleness comes from the knowledge that Christ is sovereign, and that we don't need to focus on someone to think that 
to make them think what we believe, but through his patience and understanding and your gentleness and sharing what we believe is how we gain people to Christ. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 says, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for anyone who asks you to give the reason of hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. You see, it's through that gentleness that we gain people towards Christ. We don't have to hit them over the head with the Bible. We're not Bible thumpers. It's telling them what we believe and doing it in a loving way. It's back to that very first one. Love. Being gentle shouldn't be confused with being weak. Right? Being gentle with people is another way to keep in step with the Spirit. So finally, the last fruit, the fruit of self-control. One more momism for you. Self-control. If you lose your head, how do you expect to use it? If you lose your head, how do you expect to use it? My mom was a scholar. (laughs) Being gentle with people is another way to keep in step. Self-control is derived from the word which means strength or strong. Imagine that. Timothy wrote in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and self-control. We need to keep that focus as we live our lives so that we can live in a way that keeps us stepping with the spirit, right? That will manifest that spirit through us in our daily walks. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's what Galatians 5.25 means to me. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I give you thanks for the opportunity to come to share your word. Father, to give a glimpse at what your fruits might mean in our lives and how they can be used to glorify you, to be able to walk with your spirit and, Father, to be a part of your community. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise, and we ask this in your Son, Jesus Christ's name.